In episode 53, we're going to be covering archery form and technique. Archery is a sport that can be a blast for all ages and is something that can be really easy to take up, but really takes a lifetime to master. Our guests today are certified instructors that can make anyone from a beginning archer to even the most advanced shooters more accurate and confident with a bow and arrow. Welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast, your source for information on hunting, fishing, and all of your outdoor passions. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Shields Outdoors podcast. My name is Mike Anderson, and today we are on location at Shields Archery University. With me today is Brian Klatt and Jack Moulton of the Sioux Falls Shields store. Uh, Jack, how you doing today? I am just this side of wonderful. Perfect. How are you, Brian? I'm doing great. Thank you. That's great. So I've personally never been to a Shields Archery University, and I'm guessing a lot of listeners don't know what that exactly is. So uh, can you just dive into it a little bit, what, uh, what Archery U is all about and, and why it's important to both uh, Shields people and to the listeners out there? Last year was the first year that I was at a Shields University. Um, the experience that it gave me was an opportunity to learn a lot of the new equipment that was out, um, some of the different things that I hadn't experienced yet, um, being part of a, a Shields organization. One of the things that I see with this is that it really does give most of the employees within certain departments an opportunity to handle and uh, just become better acquainted with things that they haven't had an opportunity to do. So, and Brian, he has uh, far greater knowledge on this than, than I am. Well, I've been to, you know, quite a few universities uh, as 22 years in uh, to Shields. Uh, went to universities every year, if not every other year, for probably the first uh, Ten years, and I went to one a couple of years ago, uh, just to, for better product knowledge, better uh, hands-on uh, and, and technical uh, knowledge from the factory reps, from the factory uh, people that are at the factory, that uh, uh, even some of the engineers, uh, maybe even an owner, will be here. Uh, a few years ago, we had Will Primos and. Uh, it's just really good information to hear it straight from the company. Uh, you're not just looking at a catalog. You're not looking online and trying to figure the information out. They're telling you exactly how these uh, parts or pieces work and why they've made it this way, uh, whether it's bows, uh, arrow companies, cameras, uh, a lot of things in the archery industry. Uh, from calls to um, tools to sites, rests, peep sites, camera, game cameras, uh, all across the board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is this is my first archery university I've ever been to, and I was super excited when I walked in the door, just seeing all the different vendors from 
from bow manufacturers to sites to rest to game cameras to you know you name it anything archery and like i walk in the door and i'm like a kid in a candy store <laughs> it's like oh i get to test out and look at all these new goodies and, and you know we're going to be shooting it we're going to be getting a lot of just you know infield experience and just gaining all this information and being able to bring it back to the you know to the people that visit us in store so we can just you know we we're product experts Correct. at this point Correct. so it's it's super cool, but uh, you know, to, to kind of back things up a little bit, um, I, I'd like to hear from both of you what what got you first into archery. Well, a friend a friend of mine, uh, his dad, uh, you know, you go downstairs as a little kid, and and here's his hunting room and uh, all of his uh, uh, animal pelts, skins, pheasant feathers, turkey feathers, deer antlers. Uh, all these things there, pretty cool. Um, and there's a couple more primitive weapons uh, hanging up on the wall. Uh, some that are just recurves and some that are compound bows. Just back 30, you know, 40 years ago. And uh, very neat to see that. And, and then just going out, out in the backyard and picking it up and, and trying to fling some arrows out of it. Just something very... Uh, primal uh, to it, uh, nostalgic to it, uh, just something to watch something fly out of what you're holding uh, and stick into something that you're trying to aim or, or hit. Uh, pretty cool. Mm -hmm, absolutely. How about you, Jack? Um, well, I don't know if I can think back that far. <laughs> um, I started shooting back when I was 12, 13 years old, and that's back in the early 70s. So when I say back that far, I mean that far. Um, when I was a kid and I started shooting, I, I pretty much picked it up because I was the typical short, a little bit overweight, couldn't run, didn't like a lot of other things, and archery was something I didn't have to do anything real physical on. Um, just picked it up and had a natural eye and natural knack for it, and it was a lot of fun. Um, gave me an outlet to do something besides just sit at home or the typical sports. So that's pretty much how I got started, and it it's afforded me the opportunity to see so many changes and different things within our sport that we've all come to love, not just for um, target shooting or bow hunting, but the whole sport. It's just really evolved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's been quite the evolution, especially over like the past 10 years, just in, you know, the the products and in all that stuff. But, you know, there's there's really been an evolution the past few years of just people getting excited about the sport too and that's super great to see yeah my my um i work part-time for shields as a bowtech my full-time position or my full-time what what pays my bills is i'm a professional coach um and the growth within the youth and women um within our sport is just huge it's tremendous to see that come alive and it's uh, an extremely satisfying thing as as a coach to be able to be fortunate enough to work with them when they have that, what I call the aha moment. When you're trying to teach them something and show them a better way of doing something or a more efficient way, and they struggle with it, struggle with it, and then all of a sudden the light clicks. And they go, oh, now I know what you mean. And that is probably the most satisfying sport, part of the sport for me as a coach. 
Mm-hmm. Just being able to see that yeah. growth and personal yep. development. Cause yeah, I mean, you know, the one really good thing about archery is literally anyone can pick up a bow. So you can, you can go out there, you can start shooting, but you know, it can, it can take a lifetime to master. Oh yeah, very definitely. And the, the biggest part of, of this with it being the kids and the youth and the women and the new bow hunters, um, is that the coaching that is available now, the advice, the guidance. Well, when I started, there wasn't. It was more like a, a kept secret of something that this is how I do it, and I do it really well, and I'm not going to tell you <laughs> because I can still beat you and shoot better than you. Nowadays, it is so shared with the information. Um, it's just unbelievable uh, how well that's been received. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Brian, you do a little a little coaching as well too, don't you? Well, uh, I do. Uh, it's, it's mainly in the store um, or at my house, uh, just with uh, either new people learning again, or maybe they're wanting to sight in their bows, uh, what, whatever they need, um, and, and still trying to get kids or new people into the sport that uh, that I love. So being able to work with Brian and watch him in the store. It is really kind of a pleasure. Um, any any young person, anybody new or trying to learn that comes in, Brian takes the time back in our shooting range, which a lot of places don't or a lot of people don't do, and he takes the time and he shows them the correct way or the most efficient way to do things that will give them a very repeatable shot. And that part is, yeah, I just I can't say hats off enough to Brian for taking the time to do that. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Jack. Yeah. I think I got a tear in my eye, but I appreciate <laughs> that. No. <laughs> no, that's very sincere. That's the, the, I, I see so many places that you come in, you pick it up, and you walk out the door, and then you're going, what do I do now? Um, and all of the Joe Ed classes and the things that I, I teach and the places that I look at, I want to look at some of them and go, where'd you get it at, where it really doesn't matter. But I know it wasn't from Brian or somebody around there because they'd be fit correctly. Um, biggest mistakes that people make is not being fit correctly for their equipment. Um, it becomes a cascading effect. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I was really happy when I heard this year that they wanted to. Last year, because of COVID, we were going to do some form work at the U. But because of COVID and coaching and the form type things are more on one-on-one or hands-on or we actually need to be together it's really tough to do a a FaceTime or a Skype and go okay this is what you need to do Um, unless you've worked with them before Mm -hmm. yeah that's definitely more of an in-person kind of thing and that's you know that's one thing that's really good about just going to a Shields in general like if we have an archery shop there you know anyone can Mm -hmm. go there anyone can ask questions we encourage you to do that so it's you know that's probably one of the most um intimidating things about starting archery is you know especially if you don't have a mentor right away like where do i go what do i do you know go to shields talk to brian (laughs) well one of the one of the things that we we see is as either new people come in they they enter into their first time in archery either uh, in their class at school in the NASP program, uh, National Archery in the Schools program, or they 
did it at a summer camp or a, uh, something from Game Fishing Parks where you're using a Genesis bow, um, an introductory bow, and uh, it's all fun. It's a great it's a great way to start that, especially to show interest to anybody. And you know, they might not go over form probably the best because they're putting a lot of kids and a lot of people through things. And uh, say I had a, a lady the other day. Um, yep, I used to do archery with an old bow. I said, yeah, how come you don't do it anymore? Well, it kind of hurt. <laughs> you know, it hit, hit my arm and it kind of hurt. I mean, it's still fun, but it, but it kind of hurt. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what I, the majority of the people uh, happen. It's just, well, it doesn't hurt and you don't change that somehow. Uh, you, you get used to it. You know, it was the old mentality of it. And uh, and that's something that uh, uh, a, a lot of us that have have been uh, you know I guess through the uh, like the NTS system, mm -hmm. uh, the USA's NTS system, National Training System of Archery, yep. uh, showing a correct way. I remember for quite a few mm -hmm. years, uh, hey, bend your arm, uh, get your arm out of the way, uh, bend your arm. Well, it shortens your draw length, and it's not correct. The, um, the one I like the best is it's a self-correcting problem. <laughs> you'll either quit shooting or you'll learn how to get your arm out of the way. And that <laughs> is so not right. Yeah, and it's it's funny because what uh, there's so many people that, that are interested in it. Uh, it's just it sometimes it's intimidating. It looks like it's a little harder, but uh, it isn't. And, and once they get just uh, overcome that anxiety, uh, then and listen to uh, more form issues or a technical issue of, of how to hold your arm, um, it becomes enjoyable. Hey, because it doesn't sting. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, when it doesn't hurt, it is fun. Mm -hmm. Or when you hit the middle, it is fun. Oh, so, absolutely. Or you're, or when you get that first Robin Hood. Yeah. Yep. And then after the sixth or seventh, it just becomes expensive. Yep. Then it yep. then it becomes annoying. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The the excitement factor kind of tends to go away once it starts adding up into the pocketbook pretty fast. <laughs> it certainly can be. Um, yeah. It's just been a real pleasure to work with Shields and the things that we do, and to watch the people and to help some of the newer shooters that come into it. Um, or even better yet, when you get some of the old veterans that come in that say, this is how I've always done it. And I simply look at them and say, is that where you always hit? And they go, yep. <laughs> and they go, my question next is, well, do you want to hit over here where you should hit? And they go, yeah. Okay, then let's try this. Um, and right, right after that, shortly, I'll ask them how far down the rabbit hole they want to go and what they should be looking at and, and working on. It can be kind of a daunting thing Brian mentioned the NTS system and if I told you that there were 14 different steps with approximately 12 different sub steps on each one of those steps that you had to do to shoot one arrow would you want to do it uh, that would get to nope. be a lot yeah well you you sit there and you go okay I, I get to do all these things just to shoot one arrow well, okay so you don't start with all of them right away you start with four basic steps it's your stance, your posture, and your hook, your grip, your your anchor, and then your follow through. And 
those are the basics that start everybody off everywhere. And it doesn't matter if it's NASP or 4-H or if it's a USA program. Those are the basic parts of it. Now, they're a little bit more complicated than just that or saying that, but that's the simplicity of it. You know, mm -hmm. Once you learn that, the next thing you have to learn is how to repeat it on each shot. So to, to coin the phrase from um, a very learned individual, archery is an easy, is an easy sport. It's two steps. First step, learn how to shoot a 10. Second step, learn how to repeat. <laughs> there you um, go. So two steps. And I that I'd heard that a long time ago from him, and, and it just hung on because it's actually pretty true. Learn how to repeat what you're doing, and you can do that. It's interesting uh, as we teach kids, um, even even beginners uh, to intermediates, and and this can translate even into adults too, because uh, we're all a beginner at something. Um, but in we have some of the, Jack teaches uh, a lot of uh, advanced, um, well, from from beginner to intermediate, advanced, elite, uh, kids, youth archery, and it's fun to watch them grow in a disciplined sport. I mean, archery is a, is a, is a discipline, it's a martial art, uh, and you have to be disciplined, but uh, watch them grow as they decide for themselves if they are going to really breathe and take in um, all of those steps, or at least some of the main ones at first, to try to get their shot in their group or on, on target the best that they can. And now, how to repeat it again. And uh, it's, it's neat to see that and to see them grow when... It seems like we live in a world of, of uh, gaming and and you know a lot of electronics and stuff like that, that takes our attention away. And and this is again, it's it's just a a, a primal thing. It's a yeah, such a, a, a almost a heritage. It's a heritage, <laughs> uh, you know. So, but you know, we also uh, throw the analogy. Uh, to golf. A lot of people golf, the ones that are really good at golf, um, it's so much more mental than just the physical part of it. And it's the same way with, uh, with archery. Uh, you can learn archery until you can learn all the physical parts. As a kid, of course, you're growing, so it's a nightmare for bow technicians. <laughs> <laughs> and, and probably parents because they're outgrowing stuff. But uh, it's, it's neat to see them do that. Um, but just like in golf, uh, if you have the mindset to remember the path to that perfect, uh, whether it's a putt or drive or whatever, I don't know much about golf, but in archery, it's the same thing. It's very, uh, I read a lot of books about both the mindset of archery and the mindset of golf. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. it's just a great analogy because, yeah. I mean, I, I apply that to my to my own doing too. Cause like I used to golf with my parents all the time when I was in high school, they, we, we had a membership. We'd, you know, we'd visit my grandma and then we'd go do around golf. And, you know, I was probably playing twice a week, maybe more. And, um, the repeatability was just there and I was, I was shooting. Okay. Like I wasn't lights out or anything, but like, 
I wasn't too bad on the golf course. And then, you know, go, go off to college and then and now I got like kids and now I golf like twice a year and I feel like I should be as good as I used to be. And boy, is that wrong. You know, <laughs> like yep. uh, it's just, it's frustrating. And, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing with archery too. Cause like I find myself, you know, like book a trip, get really excited, shoot a whole bunch, you know, like at least, you know, shoot a dozen arrows every day. You know, or like then, you know, start shooting a whole bunch, start stretching out your effective range. You find yourself getting really good. And then, you know, you like put the bow away for the winter. And then it's like, oh, it's turkey season. I want to shoot one and then get back out. And it's like, wow, my range at 40 is just nowhere near where it used to be. So oh, that, there is a, no off season in archery. What are you talking about? Yeah, put it away in the wintertime. Yeah, I, ne- I never said that. I mean, I shoot every no, day. There's, there's no off season. Well, you know, in the mind, there's no off season for me. I'm definitely thinking about it every day, but you know, getting getting out to physically shooting, I, well, I you, need to do you it travel more. a bunch with what you do, so that mm-hmm. we'll, we'll cut you a little bit of slack there. All right, well, <laughs> okay. I appreciate that. But do me a favor and stretch that twelve arrows uh, up to twenty four arrows, okay? Okay, you <laughs> yeah. know what? I'll I'll do that for you. Okay. You know, you agreed to be on this podcast, so <laughs> I'll agree to double okay. the there, amount there of arrows go. that I shoot uh, at least a month ahead of whatever season you're going for mm-hmm. absolutely uh, I, that look you just gave me was mm, if your viewers could see that they'd go, <laughs> yeah right well, what flag is that that you would throw so um but getting in the whole form part you know once your body and to talk about what brian did and, and what you're hedging towards with the mental aspect of it once your body has learned the basic forms and achieved a certain level of proficiency, then everything starts to change within your form. Going from, I'm really working on this at 80% in the form part, now all of a sudden your body is figuring it out. Your mind is making the connections with your muscles to make the shots. You're still at 20% working on the mind part. Once it makes those connections, then all of a sudden it flips and it becomes mental. I was talking with a gentleman in the store the other day, that said he still hasn't shot his first 300. And I says, what's the problem? He says, well, it's got to be my eyesight. I said, no, it's your critical six inches, the part between the ears. I said, if you can shoot at 299, 59 out of 60 arrows in the middle, what's holding you back on that last one? I said, it's the critical six inches. It's that part in between the ears. You're doubting something, you're questioning it, you're getting overexcited. So that, at that level, that's where that mental part of it comes in. But now how do you get somebody to that level? It's a lot of practice and it's a lot of searching places out to be able to practice and shoot and then get some guidance on it. Um, whether it's at a club level or whether you're coming in talking to people like Brian at Shields or myself, um, there's just all kinds of avenues that you can go to for that. Um, the, the biggest things that you really want to look for is make sure that you get a good fitting bow, that the draw length is correct. Um, that, that is one of the keys. The next key is that you're not overbowing yourself. If you get too heavy a poundage, it, you can't shoot it with the correct form and do what you're asking your body to do. You, you can't do it and sustain that. Um, then learning how to draw the bow properly and load it into your back. Uh, but those are some real key points to be able to, to think about as you're shooting. The, the fit is, is extremely important because it 
translates into how you hold and what your sight picture looks like. If you're too long on the bow, you get a great big slow moving picture that drops out the bottom and you can't get back up to where you wanna go. If you're too short in the sight or too short in your draw, your sight moves around like a little fly buzzing in there and it's just constantly moving. You never get to a stable picture. But how to tell, that's where you need professional people that know how to look at it and know how to tell that. And that's one thing that, that Shields does really well is they put the information out there and make sure that the people working within their archery departments know what to look for. Um, Brian is, I, I've seen him look at people and go, nope, you're a quarter inch this way or a quarter inch that way or a half inch this way. And he, he does it in the blink of an eye. He can walk by people that are shooting in the range, trying out a bow gun. Nope, they need it different. So, mm -hmm. Good advice. So, um, you know, now that I've got both of you guys here, you've, you've definitely flung a lot of arrows in your day and seen a lot of people fling a lot of arrows. I'd like to go over some just, uh, you know, most commonly seen mistakes and then some, and some tips. So, Brian, what are, what are some of the most commonly seen mistakes when you see somebody come in that wants to, you know, like a beginner that wants to get their first ball? Well... Probably the first one. Um, they they pick a bow that uh, is probably over poundaged for them. That's probably the number one thing. Uh, we all want to feel good about ourselves. We want to think, well, you know, uh, more poundage is is always better. Whether because it shoots flatter, of course. Um, so that'll make me hit the target a lot quicker. And if I'm a hunter, of course. Uh, we we want an ethical harvest, so we want uh, we want that arrow to penetrate all the way through. Okay, we uh, we need that. So so they keep it at a higher poundage, and but it throws their form off because our bodies are built for collapsing um, in our shoulders and our back and hips. So many things: our neck, or everything, our hand. Um, so it's uh, I'd say poundage is probably the, the key is one of the first ones um, that's a mistake. And and then, of course, it, it'll probably roll over into draw length. Um, you know, the first one is is, is more technical. It's it's a it's the physical item. So and you can you can adjust most bows uh, to a certain le uh, poundage. Uh, some are very adjustable, but uh, they they overbow themselves at first, which then causes uh, inconsistencies in their drawing and in their, and then of course in their shooting. That would probably be the, the, the first one that comes to my mind. Uh, second one would probably be um, really uh, if they're going to start archery, what, what bow are they going to get into? Maybe they get into a used bow, um, which is fine. Uh, I mean, you can pick them up out there on the market for, uh, uh, you know, half price or something. But sometimes they won't allow the draw length to be there. Maybe the poundage fits, but the draw length doesn't fit. So there's a there's a, a lot of things. It's kind of like I guess buying a, a used car that uh, uh, has a hundred thousand miles on it, and, and and you're hoping it to last, but but it, maybe it doesn't, or maybe it doesn't even do what you want it to do. And you save money on it, but in the long run, it doesn't make you shoot better. So then your uh, 
all your efforts are are for naught. It uh, now it's not enjoyable. It's only enjo- I remember a long time ago I, I bought my wife uh, <laughs> a bow. Actually, uh, she wasn't my wife. She's my girlfriend then. But bought her a used bow. Thought I'm gonna get her into the sport that I love. And it was a little too long. <laughs> and uh, and she she was a trooper. She uh, her arm. She had contusions on her arm. <laughs> purple um and uh she took it like a champ until it's like how come you don't want to shoot your bow (laughs) she's like it hurts (laughs) so you know and only when i became an archery manager uh then i was like ah hey you get this bow here and and this one's adjustable we're gonna adjust it all the way down and i can fit her and i fit her exactly and uh it says why did we not do this a long time ago? <laughs> and, uh, and it would have been a lot less painful. And she enjoyed it. I mean, really enjoyed it. So I, I think fitting a bow or picking out a bow um, and not becoming overpounded with a bow, uh, those are probably two of the top ones that come to my mind. Okay. That's, that, that's pretty accurate. Um, when I'm watching, and it doesn't matter whether it's a new shooter or a veteran shooter, you you can tell where they're at within their shot process. Biggest mistake that I that I typically see is probably bow hand or brace hand, and, and I refrain from calling it the grip hand because the grip is in the bow; it's not your hand. Your hand simply braces the bow from coming back at you. But they'll be holding the bow and they'll be squeezing it so hard their knuckles are turning white and their fingers are turning white. And that's uh, that's probably one of the biggest causes for left-right misses, as well as if you're going to let a bow down, um, torquing it and, and dry firing it or derailing it. Um, that, that's probably number one on my hit list for, for what I look for as far as issues or areas to work on first mm-hmm. with somebody. Um, the, the second biggest one is that they're bringing the bow to them and not them to the bow. Meaning when you draw the bow, everything should be still. If you have a golf right. swing, what did you just say? If you're drawing the bow, you do what? That you're still? No, before that. What, what do you do with the bow? Drawing? Too? Yeah. The, uh-huh. the biggest thing that you want to do is what? When you draw the bow, yeah. that you hold still. And you're doing what not to do and what to do? Yeah. What not? Well, yeah. Biggest thing that I see people do is they, they're moving themselves to the bow, not the bow to them. Okay. Okay. Oh, he called him out on that one. Okay. Just making him get to it. Well, no, he, uh, I, th- I think it, he said it the opposite. You did, you did, did say it the opposite uh, way around. That was a good catch. Okay. Uh, hey, right. that's why I'm here. I'm not just that, a pretty face. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <laughs> Sorry, Mindy. <laughs> um, but no, you, you have to bring the bow to you. You, you don't go to it. Um, you, you draw the bow correctly and you bring it all to you. And you'll see people that will corkscrew themselves into the bow and try to make it fit that way. And that's just not right. It makes it so much harder to learn and so much more to have fun at mm-hmm. um, when you're trying to do those things or do it that way versus simply bring it to you. And that's also one of the ways that you tell whether or not the bow fits you correctly, is if you're bringing it to you and not you to it. 
So those are two real key things to look at. Um, I get asked all the time this uh, question in the store when I step out on the sales floor where I'm not supposed to be because I'm supposed to be working on stuff. You're supposed to be there. People will ask me, and, and they giggle when I answer this question for them. They'll ask me, what bow should I buy? That's a huge question. What bow should I invest in? And I simply tell them, walk around and pick up every bow that you see. Put it in your hand and hold it. Don't look at the price tag. Don't look at anything else. Just hold that bow. Look down at it. When you look down, you go, oh, yeah. <laughs> Serious. Oh, if, I'm, if you do that, that's the one you buy. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. 100% with yeah. you on that because I've went through quite a few bowls in my day and I've bought, you know, like I've used a lot of different brands. Like the first one I ever got, I, I don't even know what it was. I think it was like a 1986 Browning I got from my <laughs> uncle. That I remember was, those. That was older than me and it was a great <laughs> bow, you know. I, uh, you know, I learned on it, and mm-hmm. it, you know that one will always have a special place in my heart. But then I bought like a, a reflex. It's a mm-hmm. like you know, I don't think yep. they even make them anymore. Nope. But um, I did, what was it? Hoyt. It was yeah. like an off-brand Hoyt. Yeah. And then um, yeah, after that, then I moved to a to a high country. If mm-hmm. you remember that. Nice. And then from there to a Bowtech, and then to a Hoyt, and to a Matthews. So yep. like I've shot wow. a, a, quite a few of them, mm-hmm. but. You know, the especially the past few that I've done, it's been okay. I'm gonna go into I'm gonna go into shields with an open mind, and I'm gonna shoot all the bolts, and I'm gonna pick the one that just fits me the best. Yep, and exactly like you said, like you, you hold it and you just go, oh yeah, yep. this is this is the one. Well, it you know? it does a couple of things when you get that that feeling with it. Mm-hmm. You sit there and you hold it and you go, oh. One, it means you really like it. Mm-hmm. So then price becomes no real object, okay? Um, but it also means you're going to go spend time with it. Yeah. You're not going to take something. If you buy something that's going, yeah, then you're going to go, well, maybe I'll go shoot today. Maybe I won't go shoot today. But if you go, oh, I like that, you're yeah. going to spend time with it. And yeah. that's how you get better. You spend time and you do it and you shoot it and you work on stuff. Um, that's if ninety percent of the people would simply do that, find that one bow that they just go, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. they're going to want to shoot it. And they'll go spend time and they'll learn how to shoot it. And they'll learn how to shoot better with it that way. Yeah, but buy your generic brand uh, toilet paper and your generic <laughs> brand milk and, and save the money there. But yeah, but spend eat, it on the bow, right? Eat yeah. ramen noodles That's for a couple of years. Yeah, well, yeah. at least a year, <laughs> <laughs> something, something like that. So. Oh, that's good stuff. You, you get out of that what you put into it when, when you purchase something like that. You really do. If you look at it as an investment, I mean, how many bows does the average person go buy in their lifetime? I don't know. Um, I know how many bows I own, um, and I hate to put a number to how many Brian owns. I but, have owned uh, uh, a okay. few right now. Um, <laughs> but it's it's one that most people, if they invest in one good bow, it's going to last them 10 years, 20 years, if mm-hmm. they t- simply take care of it. Um, then they can hand it down like you got your first bow. You know? Exactly. Um, so, Brian, what else? It comes back around. I've, al- I've always felt 60% of buying the bow is in the grip alone. It has mm-hmm. to feel good in the hand. Um, problem is grip when we are instructing the grip isn't the grip we 
we brace the bow, we don't grip the bow. But as a hunter, we're carrying it 99% of the mm -hmm. time. So we're gripping the bow. It's just we, as a hunter, um, the interesting thing is, is to become a better hunter, you have to become a better archer. And to be an archer and to be a good archer, you can't grip the bow. You need to brace the bow and you need to do your form correctly. And then once your form and your process is better, um, then you can shoot better and you become a better hunter. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but that's uh, when people come in. And of course, there's, there's the, the new client, there's uh, kids, women, uh, uh, new guys coming in just wanting to pick up the sport just because it, it really doesn't have to cost a lot and, and uh, you know, it's, you get to reuse your ammo, so that's cool. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, as long as you don't well, lose it. Well, you know, one, everyone loses them every once in a while. One but. of the exciting things now that's going on, you talk about bow hunters, um, TAC, which is a huge archery shoot that goes through the Midwest. Total archery yeah. challenge. And they've got shots in there that range out to, what, 110, 120 yards? Even out to 140. 140. Okay, and I don't know if at the university, at the novelty part, they're going to have anything that goes out that far. I'll make sure they do. Okay. Perfect. I'm excited but, to try. Well, the thing is, if you want to be able to hit that, you have to be extremely accurate with your form. And I want you to think about this. If you release hand and, and you don't release correctly, if it comes off of your face away from your anchor by a sixteenth of an inch, that's really, really small, how far... At 140 yards, is that going to move you if you're a right-handed right-handed shooter to the left? It's going to be a ways. You're going to miss the whole bale. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, at 70 meters, which is just a little over 80, I think just a little over 80 yards, um, a sixteenth of an inch will move you approximately eight inches. So that that's you know you want to hit those small spots and you want to shoot that long distance that's where it all comes back down to form yeah. okay making sure that it's done correctly that you're following through right that everything is done the way it should be done so that you can make those shots and long range shooting nowadays is just really taking a craze especially mm -hmm. in the in the 3d shoots and um, even at our local club stuff we've got guys that want to make those long shots to be able to do it accurately, you have to be really precise. You, you can't waver from those things. Yeah. So, okay, you have me interested mm -hmm. in longer shots and increasing my effective range. What are some of your tips at at doing that, at increasing your effective range? Like, say you're say you're you feel pretty comfortable at sixty, but you want to be proficient at a hundred. What do you suggest for tips and or like strategy? To, to do that. Oh wait, I'm back. I'm going to back up just a minute because mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Um, why do you want to shoot that far? Because I just want to feel really comfortable when I'm shooting at what I feel is my effective range, and I want to I want to put a more emphasis on hunting out west where I feel like I'm going to have opportunities to shoot at you know, at longer distances, and I want to make sure that I can be ethical 
and confident at a longer distance. That's perfect. That's the that's the best response. Um, one of the things there's so many like Jack was saying uh, about Total Archer Challenge and uh, a lot of the the newer upcoming uh, uh, 3D fun shoots or adventure shoots. Uh, um, a lot of these different uh, things are kind of popping up, and we're shooting a little bit more of a of a longer distance. One of those reasons, I guess, is because um, some of the guys are going out west; they're doing their own hunts. Some people go, "Well, I I, I need to hunt a lot further because now I'm spotting and stalking, and the game aren't. I mean, I'm not going to be as close, so now I got to." Be able to take shots further, and that that is true. Um, spotting and stalking, we always hope, and you know, I guess if uh, if you're downwind and and all that, and you're really good, stealthy, then uh, you can get get up close, uh, given the right uh, you know opportunities. To me, I always like having people come in and they want to get a sight. Okay, we've always had fixed sights, uh, but now. They want to shoot longer distance, and they can't, so they get an adjustable sight. Whether it's an adjustable single pin or it's an adjustable two pin, three pin, five pin, whatever. They used to have sights that were fixed, but they, they were fixed five pin, seven pin, ten pin, twelve pin. Um, I mean, it's like a little Christmas tree in there. Confusion. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, uh, but you got a pin for it, so why, why not? Uh, but you still just, uh, it's kind of confusing. So my mission is anybody buys a bow um, and sight what kind of whatever the bow I don't care if the kid's uh, um, you know really young I still want them to uh, evolve into a longer distance shooter because if you can shoot better long distance that means you are doing your correct form you are understanding your form because if you go out and try to shoot long distance and you can't hit long distance, um, well, something's wrong, but it's not the bow. The bow's mechanical. We can fix all that. We can we can make it, I mean, just this side of perfect uh, mechanically, but it's the shooter. Uh, it's, it's like a golf club, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, there, big... There's still something about walking up to a 140-yard shot and letting it loose and watching that arrow fly. That's, oh, yeah. especially if you yeah. got a lighted knock and you can oh, yeah. watch it the whole way. Yep. Yeah, it's I pretty mean, cool. <laughs> but it, to Brian's point, with with it, yes, your form does have to at distance has to be that much cleaner, that much crisper. Um, if you can't feel your release drag on your face, you came away from it, you're going to probably go left. Um, and when I say on your face. As you release through the shot, it has to stay in contact with your face. Um, if you have no follow through at all, then you're losing your back. You're going to lose your arrows going low left. Um, if if your bow, if you flip your bow hand over and look at it after six shots, and you don't see a solid red line going right down your your thumb next to your lifeline, then you're not consistently putting your hand in the same spot in the bow. Now the same thing with the bow hand as the release coming off of your face just a little bit. If you're trying to shoot long range and you're not hitting the same spot on your bow hand each and every time, you're not going to hit the same place that you want to aim at. Okay? So those are our two really big tips and those are tips that I'll be talking about tomorrow but within the bow hand and 
what you're doing with the release hand and how you're coming through the release um, just to make it cleaner and crisper. And anybody that has a crisp release knows the difference and you can see the difference of a crisp, clean release versus a stationary. And you want to shoot 140 yards? You need all of those things working together um, to do that. So, so to kind of to that point, I don't shoot a lot. My shoulders uh, had surgery on my shoulder. Uh, I don't shoot repetitiously. Uh, I don't shoot like target uh, shooting as much as I used to. I mean, of course, I shoot at targets. But what I do is I take my 10 shots and I don't shoot for group, maybe maybe two, maybe three arrows at most uh, at a animal target or a bullseye target, uh, you know, out at whatever distance. Um, but I shoot mainly from about 30 yards, very rarely 30 yards, 40 yards to 120. Um, because there, all I really care about is my form. Mechanically, I know my bow is, yeah, this side of perfect. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, I've been over it. Um, it's really just me, and it's my follow-through. Um, I mean, just like a basketball player, uh, you know, you shoot basketball, you shoot hoops a lot on a three-point line, but if you don't have good follow-through, you don't have the consistency. It, a lot of it is, is bow arm, draw arm, follow-through. Um, which is your form. And if you do your form correctly, you don't need to shoot all that often. You just make those key shots at whatever distance, one arrow, especially when you're shooting a 3D target out there at 60, 80, 90, 100 yards, you only got, you know, a foot, six inches, plus or minus up and down. Otherwise, that arrow's gone. So mm -hmm. you make sure that your form is perfect and everything's right. And once you do that, you create a habit uh, I mean, 21 days to create a habit to then your body knows nothing else. And when you go out there and you kneel down uh, out in the grass somewhere, you and make one shot. I, I'm going to kind of cut in on, on that. Um, you shoot 10 shots now, right? When, when you're prepping for, for a, a hunt or whatever you're going after. But when started shooting because herein lies the wonderful paradox you're at a level or at a stage that is farther ahead than what 70% of the, the bow hunters are he put his time in behind the bow you were putting that time in what was your practice like well it was as many arrows as I could go run down grab them come back shoot them again Okay. Fast as I can. <laughs> but, I, and, but what I'm what I'm getting at is you put your time in to know that so that it did become repeatable. And that's where so many people winter's here, we're putting the bow away. Uh, summer's here, we're gonna go fishing all the time, we're gonna go camping all the time, we're gonna go do all this all the time. Oh, it's the end of July, middle of August. I gotta go get my bow cleaned up, worked on, checked over, make sure it's okay. Then i got to find practice time. Then September 1st, because we're in South Dakota, is opening for deer season. 
oh yeah, and there was an antelope season. I better grab an antelope yeah. tag. Okay. <laughs> and that was back in August, late August. So. so now they haven't touched their bow since they put it away in the wintertime, and they're expecting to be able to perform at a level of proficiency. If they're going antelope hunting, they're, they're looking at shots that are from 40 to 80 yards. And if they're really confident in themselves, they'll take one out to 100 yards. Um, there are so many things that can go wrong with that 100-yard shot. So many things. When, when you're hunting, that it's unbelievable. But it, getting back to it, Brian put the time in. So now when he says he'll go out and he'll shoot 10 arrows, and he's looking for this result or this is what he is looking for, he knows his shot. He knows his form. He knows what to expect. Only way to get that, put the time in behind the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, repetition, yeah. repetition. Yep. Yeah. And so. let your body rest in between. It's not, you know, I tell a lot of people, don't just go out there and shoot five or eight or ten arrows. Just shoot three. Then give your body a break. Come back. Yep. And then, you know, go in, drink a glass of water, hydrate, and then uh, go back <laughs> out and shoot another three. Just make them your best three that you can. Mm-hmm. And and really think about it. Yeah, that, that is very true. Um, some of my tournament shooters... Uh, I'll tell them, okay, here, here's here's your deal to put pressure on you. And it's the same as Mr. Forty Pointer coming out the the bushes that you're looking at, and you're going, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get to shoot him. I think he meant like at least one forty. One forty. <laughs> oh, oh no. Oh, okay. Forty. Forty point. Yeah. There you go. Um, but I say, here's here's your practice for today. You go out. You have one arrow. If it's a ten, you get to shoot a second one. If it's not a 10, you go put your stuff away. They go, what? I said, yeah. You can come back out an hour from now and shoot again. Oh, boy. Yeah. But that's the, the pressure part of that is why you put in the time behind the bow. Mm-hmm. Because anybody that has taken, uh, has drawn on a large game animal, whether it's a doe or a great big buck, um, especially if it happens to be their first one, their heart starts pounding. Mm-hmm. If it's a great big buck, your your heart starts pounding. You're short of breath, and you're starting to sit there and go, oh. If your heart's not pounding yeah. at that point, you're yeah. doing the wrong thing. <laughs> but you put the time in ahead of time, working that form, so that your body can handle that pressure. And you can turn it into your subconscious part, which gets back to the mental, and say, okay, do what you do, and you'll place that arrow right where you need to. But until you start working through some of those form issues, you don't have the, the concepts of, of what you really need to do. And that's one of the things that Shields does so well with the bows that we sell through our store. I can't speak for all of them. I would have to believe it's all equal, that they get similar uh, similar shopping experiences they do with our store. Now, we're blessed at our store with having having Brian and a pretty tenure staff um, to where we can do those things, give them the right guidance to go down the right, the right paths. And I would say, you know, we're blessed in that because we also have a, a good uh, mixture of mm-hmm. target archers. I mean, complete target archers. And, I mean, uh, our market is 70, 80 maybe even close to 90% hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a mixture of that. So we, uh, the nice thing is, is the target archers make us be on our toes and, and make our uh, bow technicians and our mechanics 
have to be tight and spot on. And the bow hunters are going to get uh, the same instruction that we give the target archers and in and, and all that. So it, it all, I think it helps out. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, I've always thought that we're all just a bunch of target shooters or spot shooters. Yeah, it just um, depends on what the target is, right? It depends on the spot. That's right. You know? So. so you guys have given some excellent information and advice, but... Um, you know, to finish this out, I'd like to lighten it up a little bit, and I'd like to Uh-oh. hear both of your favorite <laughs> archery-related stories. Um, I don't know if I can tell that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Let's, let's um, keep it like PG-13. Pro- pro- yeah, no, prob- <laughs> probably one of my favorite ones is, uh, and this just kind of happened recently, is meeting the guy that I, I really idolized and I haven't met him met him but John Williams who won the 72 Olympics um, had an opportunity to, to actually talk with him um, it was just one of those to where when, when you start getting goosebumps when you start thinking about accomplishments um, that would have been probably besides being able to work with Brian every day Nice. Oh, of course. That one's yeah. just a given. Nice. Do you have a Kleenex? I can wipe my nose off. <laughs> Here, I got you. <laughs> nice. All right. How about you, Brian? Okay. I'm going to try not to be long, long-winded. So, I, I got a lot of different stories. <laughs> um, <laughs> a, a lot of different stories. Uh, but I guess one that uh, I always I, I tell people about, and of course, some of the guys my buddies that uh, grew up with archery with me i'm sure they tell this story a lot uh but i remember one time i was up in a tree stand and uh rut was going on uh deer were moving of course back then there wasn't trail cameras or anything like that so this is a while ago but uh so beautiful morning nice buck comes in and and it's it's a pope and young I mean, it's 130, uh, 130 inches. And I'm like, all right, this thing is coming in right to a fence line. It's crazy, but I had a little aluminum foil ball that I hung off a piece of thread. And it was uh, just to get its attention. Didn't smell, didn't do anything. Didn't have any scent on it. Just something to get their attention on the fence line. And they would cross. He came right up to it. It's like 10 yards. I'm 20 foot up in this tree. Now, why am I 20 foot up in a tree? Okay, this Because a, you can. This is in Nebraska. You don't want to be 20 foot up in a tree. But on one side of the ground, I was only probably about 12 feet off the ground. And where the deer came in, it was a little deeper down into a, you know, a ravine. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he was a little further. So I had my 10, I'm pretty sure. No, I had, a, of course, my first pin was a 20-yard pin. I put it right on him, right? And I touch off the trigger, and it shoots right over his back. Okay? How many times have you heard that story? Hunting shot. Uh, so, I'm, of course, upset. But it's early, and I'm like, do I stay? Do I leave? What do I do? So I stay. So, still a good morning. I, I, I've seen my biggest deer, and I've seen the more amount of deer uh, between 10 o'clock in the morning and 2 o'clock in the afternoon in this area. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, i got to stay. 
maybe something, maybe it'll come back around or something. So another buck comes in, literally probably about an hour later, not even an hour. He comes in, does the same thing, different buck, but he's Pope and Young too. He's right, right in there. He's not close. He's probably about 127, something like that. And uh, he's on the other side of this, uh, where, where I've got this post. Um, and I put just a little lower, right? Because I missed one high. So I put a little lower. And shoot, goes right under him. <laughs> yeah, well, um, <laughs> to say I'm upset is a little bit of an understatement, right? So I'm like, <laughs> okay, that can't happen anymore. Clearly, I need a 10-yard pin. So what do I do? You know, I don't even think MacGyver was around then, but what I did is I grabbed some thread because I, I always, doesn't every hunter carry a spool of thread in their, <laughs> in their backpack? <laughs> That's another story. I'll leave it. But I took out some thread. I wrapped it around my sight because back then your sight was square. <laughs> it was round. Oh, My, yeah. Mine started out with stick pins and styrofoam. Nice. <laughs> so I uh, I tied that thread on there, wound it around itself in the middle, and took some of my bubble gum and, and stuck it in the middle and made a pin. And I stuck it about just, you know, eighth mm -hmm. of an inch above my 20-yard pin and made a 10-yard pin out of that. I'm like, okay. And, it, and this all happened now, now are literally. Now, you going to tell me at the end of this that you actually shoot a deer this way? Yeah. Hey, I don't spoil it. Don't, don't spoil it. I'm trying to get this story there, Jay. As okay. short as possible. Okay. okay. So my buddies are listening. They're like, they're already laughing. But so. Okay. I think more than just your buddies so, are laughing at this yeah, point. When so you're pulling I, out so string I, and bubble gum. So I am, uh, I get this ready. I'm like, okay. I, it's still not even the, the middle of when I see most deer. I'm going to set. And I just can't believe it, right? But whatever. So 20, 30 minutes later, another buck comes in. And this one's probably the biggest yet. I mean he's he's probably one he's probably one forty. Um, you know, he isn't a monster, but he you know, to me he was. So uh so I'm like perfect. He comes right into where the first one is, like ten yards. I stick stick bubble gum right on him, right? And I shoot. It goes right underneath him. And and I literally, I, I took out my jackknife and I contemplated, I, I need to stab this in my leg to make, <laughs> to make me feel something different than what I'm feeling right now. But I didn't really want to die. So, yeah. so I, I refrained. And I, I got up and left. I couldn't believe it. I missed, I, you know, missed three Pope and Young deer within three-hour period wow and I, I i changed all that i believed in then and and i said i'm never going to shoot at a deer that's, <laughs> that's any closer than 20 yards i'm going to wait until they walk behind me uh -huh. and they're going to be at 20 yards when i shoot them so i've, I've kind of lived by that <laughs> wow that's my story <laughs> wow so like what do you think the reasoning is behind those misses well i mean for the for I don't know maybe ten fifteen years no not that long <laughs> you know you think about it and I was trying to make something technical right it had to be had to be the bow 
Had to be the arrow, had to be the sight, had to be this, had to be that. Can't be me. So for years, boy, do I hear that. Mm -hmm. I hear that every day in the shop. But the, the, the tough thing is, is we're kind of in denial. Because how? Oh, I got anxious. It's an anxiety. I got anxious, and I either moved or I tried or I pushed or I pulled or I punched, punched the trigger. So at the end of the day, I mean, at the end of five, maybe five years, mm-hmm. I decided, hey, that's probably what it was. It was me. <laughs> so, so not, yes. not the actual like, bow. So, so my question now is, did, did you go and did you shoot that bubblegum pin, and was it right on 10 yards? Uh huh. I took it off because I was like, you know what? I can't do this. <laughs> Bubble gum's gonna get hard. It's gonna uh-huh. crack off. Somebody's gonna see it. Think uh-huh. I'm some, you know, hillbilly. Yeah, because because the bubblegum is the embarrassing part of that. Day, That's right, right? exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not Too gonna funny. kid you. I'm pretty sure I squeezed a few tears out. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> I'm over it. No, I'm not. You finally came to terms with it. <laughs> No, I, I, no, you don't come to terms with that stuff. I don't. Oh, that's that's, that, that's some great stuff. Well, you know what? I, I greatly appreciate both of you guys' time, and um, you know, I'm personally looking forward to hearing your seminar on your shooting form, and you know, hopefully, I can, you know, learn a few tips from you guys, and uh, you know, hopefully, I don't have to put some bubble gum on my on my new site. So. Well, I, I think how how he just said that that means he he wants to be a up and he'll we'll use him as a oh, demonstration. Could be. Awesome. Could be. Oh yeah. And it's, I usually pick on oh, the boy. biggest guys in the class. It is. It's fun. More fun to pick on them. Mm-hmm. So. Well, I, hey, I got to run a video camera back here. You can't, you <coughs> okay. can't take that away. Right. Guess, oh, not that camera. it. No. Not that it doesn't have uh, a tripod and records, anyways. <laughs> but you know, we'll see. All right. <laughs> All right. Well, well, thank you. Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. You just heard our segment with Brian Klatt and Jack Moulton on archery form and technique. We've been seeing many new people getting into archery, and it's truly an awesome sport. It's great for building confidence and focus, and there's so many different ways a person can become immersed in the sport, whether it's through hunting, tournament shooting, or just tossing a few arrows in the backyard to relieve some stress. The most important thing is to get yourself fitted with the correct bow that will allow proper form and technique. Our shields experts are here to help with that every step of the way, from measuring proper draw length and getting the right draw weight to finding that perfect bowl for your shooting application. Hopefully you enjoyed this segment, and we're going to be coming out with a lot of future archery content on our Shields Outdoors social media pages and also our YouTube channel. So make sure to be following those pages to stay updated. And with that, We'd like to thank you all for listening and see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Shields Outdoors podcast. Stay tuned for future segments and visit our social media pages, Shields Outdoors on Facebook and Instagram for daily updates.